Hello there, our dear listeners. Welcome to the HSK Student Pod. This is Richard, your host from the HSK ATEC team. Thank you for joining us on episode 16 of the HSK Student Pod. It's a pleasure to have you as one of our listeners. Before we continue, I just need to take this opportunity to say Happy New Year to you all our dear HSK Student Pod listeners. I know we are already set into the first few weeks of 2021. January and February is always a very busy time for most of the students with exams and submitting assignments. Teaching staff are also extremely busy completing, marking and planning for semester B teaching as well. I hope things have begun off positively for everyone, despite the ongoing challenges we continue to face. Our prayers and best wishes are with all our students and staff colleagues who have not currently been well. We hope you get better soon. As usual, I do not want to let you down. I have several special guests for you who are going to share wonderful messages with us and I hope you enjoy this episode. First, we have an introduction message from Karen Atkinson, our Associate Dean for Learning and Teaching and Student Experience. Karen is going to give us some genuine news and updates on what's going on in the school. I now hand you over to Karen. Hello everyone, this is Karen Atkinson, the Associate Dean for Learning, Teaching and Student Experience. Welcome to episode 16 of the School of Health and Social Work Student Podcast. I am going to say Happy New Year, although we are still living with big challenges as we move into 2021. I do hope you manage to get some rest and relaxation over the vacation period, but I realise that a lot of you may also have been working on coursework and preparation for your exams. We were all looking forward to seeing more of you on campus when we returned, only to find we were plunged into a new lockdown pretty much as soon as we came back after the break. I know that some of you have been into the Wright Building or to Meridian House for practical exams and some of you are attending practical sessions now that semester B has started. This is all happening along with placements for a lot of you with the added challenges that they bring. We really want to acknowledge your continuing dedication and to reassure you that your programme teams are working really hard to negotiate with placement sites and to keep you up to date and informed. As you're aware, This is all happening in a very pressurised and constantly changing landscape, depending on service demands. And so loads of work is going on in the background all the time to support you as much as we can. We know that many of you are dealing with lots of issues. You want to get back onto campus, we want you back as well. And for some of the first years, we know that you really want to get into the university so that you can start experiencing what it's like to be a student. We know some of you travel long distances and you have families and caring responsibilities and some of you have homeschooling to manage. And we realise that all of these circumstances can add extra stresses to your studies. If you are having any problems, do remember to contact your personal tutor who will either be able to help or if they can't help you directly, they will be able to refer you on to someone who can. 
If you listen to episode 15, you can hear about the Student Wellbeing Service. And next month, we'll be talking to the head of the university's counselling service. And so remember, there are lots of central services there that you can access as well if you are having any problems. If you're a third year student, you'll soon be contacted about the National Student Survey. This is being launched by the university on February the 8th. This is your opportunity to give us your feedback on the whole of your course. We want to hear about what's gone really well for you and where we might be able to change things for the better as we go forward. If you're a level four or first year student and worried about keeping up with everything, trying to work out how to improve your grades or your assignment results weren't quite what you hoped for, look out for the news about the Grade Up workshops. These will be running in March, covering a range of areas, confidence, so helping you to gain in confidence in yourself and in your abilities. Another workshop focuses on writing for academic success. The third is around finding the best evidence. And the fourth is about referencing. And these will all be online sessions. So the information should be coming out from your programme team. So look out for those. Later on in the podcast, you will hear from one of our newer members of staff, paramedic lecturer Alex Ulrich, who's been with us since July last year. She shares her reflections on the development of the paramedic profession and also tells us about her experience of joining us at Hearts as a new member of the teaching team. You can also listen to the stories of two of our successful graduates, Nicole from the MSc in Social Work Programme and Uche from the BSc in Radiography and Diagnostic Imaging. They're going to share their tips for success. They successfully graduated despite the ongoing challenges and they're going to share some of that with you. Well, I think that's probably enough from me. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and I look forward to talking to you again next time. And if you do want to feedback to me or contact me directly, please get in touch with me on k.a.atkinson at hearts.ac.uk. Bye for now. Thank you very much, Karen, for that good introduction and for sharing with us the important news plus keeping us up to date on what's going on in the school, especially letting us know about the various support and opportunities that are currently being offered. Thanks, Karen. Dear HSK Pod listeners, Continuing from episode 15 with our theme of sharing positive and success stories during this challenging time, it's clear COVID-19 continues to have a major impact on our personal, social and professional lives, including those that we love. This indeed continues to be a testing time for everyone. But we also know behind the suffering and ongoing challenges, we have also got some success stories despite the challenges we are facing. For this month's student success stories, we have our guests, Nicole Davids, a recent graduate student from the MSc Social Work Program. We also have 
which is a recent graduate student from the BSc Radiography and Diagnostic Imaging Program. Nico and Uche, both being recent graduates from the School of Health and Social Work at the University of Hertfordshire, are going to share a brief message with us on how they managed to succeed in their studies and clinical placement roles despite the ongoing COVID-19 lockdown challenges. I now hand you over to Chantel, who had the opportunity of meeting and interviewing Nico and Uche. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Welcome to the HSK Student Pod. We are so, so happy to have you both here as our special guests for today. We have Nicole and Uche. So yeah, welcome. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. So yes, you are our recent graduates from the School of Health and Social Work. So I want you to tell me a bit about yourselves. Tell me a bit about, you know, kind of what you've been doing, what you've been up to. And yeah, how, how you've been. Hello, good morning, everyone. I'm quite happy to be here this morning at the HSK Student Pod. Well, my name is Nicole Davis, as uh, Chantel have already said. I'm a recent graduate, uh, MSc uh, in health work. And yes, and we kind of graduated in the midst of everything else that is happening. And most of us are still affected, even up to today, but we keep going. So thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Uche. My name is Uche Enekwa. I graduated from radiography, diagnostic radiography, in May of 2020, as we all know, we are in the middle of a pandemic and almost from day one, we were more or less summoned to come and assist as best as we can in, in the pandemic. Okay. And then I got a job straight away, more or less, with Wexham Park Hospital, where I've been, I've been with them for the past six months. Excellent. Before we go any further, how are you coping with being unable to see friends, family, you know, just with the, the, the restrictions. How how has that how has that made you feel? I think me as a person, I started my um, second placement mm-hmm. um, last year, twenty twenty, and a um, few weeks into that placement, and then that there was a national lockdown, and everybody was at home. Now, as a mother of four young kids, don't shout. Oh, wow, you don't look you don't look old <laughs> enough to have four young children. <laughs> they were all at home, all of a sudden. Yeah. Now poor. I have to juggle between completing my university assessment, going to placement, homeschooling, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the habit I found about lockdown and COVID was the fact that they had to learn not to touch me when I come back from placement. Mm. And in the first couple of weeks, and it was heartbreaking. The, as soon as I put the key at the door on my way back, they will run and then they'll pause. And then they'll oh, say, oh, welcome. Mommy. I said, don't touch me. And then from there, I have to proceed to, to having a shower. So, but they go, they go quickly. Children learn very quickly. They got over it. But in the midst of that, then I had to obviously write my dissertation. Mm. That was the, one of the most challenging things I found coping with four kids in the house that start screaming from 7.30 in the morning up until 8 p.m. in the evening. It was very, very difficult. And the university was shut. The libraries were shut. Um, the, I attempted to book hotels. You had to give, you know, provide evidence wow. of, of why you need a hotel. It yeah, was only yeah, yeah. two hours only. But f- luckily for me, I managed to find what they, find, what they call the, the guest house which was independent. You just go in, they give you a code, you don't meet, you don't talk mm. to anybody. So I managed to secure one of those. You know, that was my last hope on completing my 
visitation. So I had to go away for a week Locked to get my away. Look at that. Look at the desperate measures we have to take in order to succeed. Yes. You know, it's amazing, it me, but I had to do it in mm. order to complete the course. And I did. I completed it. Some of my mates, some of my cohorts, they're still on placement up to yeah. date um, because most of them deaths were paused, deaths were terminated for mm. some reason or the other. And the university had to find them another. So do you feel fortunate then? You must be, feel fortunate very, that he's able to finish very, yours. Excellent, excellent. Fortunate. Thank you yes. for that, Nicole. Thank you. Uche, tell me a bit about your experience, you know, um, with the lockdown, all the challenges that has, that has thrown at us, none that we could have predicted. I will say that mine was not very unrelated to what... Nicole has just described. Mm-hmm. I'm slightly older in the sense that my children are slightly older. So they're teenagers. They don't rush off to hug you when you come in. You will be lucky to get, I'll hide that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is okay. Which is okay. But yes, the period was um, was something that no one had, had foreseen. And even... At the initial stages, when when the pandemic was beginning, nobody could have foreseen how far and how deep and how quickly the system was going to be shut down. Because, okay, we started in September and everything was pretty normal. Our last lecture was on March 10th and I started mine, that was on a Friday. My placement was to start on Monday, the 12th or the 13th mm. of March. March. And we got in there. And then the next thing we had was the shutdown and everything was shutting down in place. And then the next thing was withdraw from placement. Don't go any further. We think it's too dangerous for students. Go back home. And then I was thinking to myself, because initially when we looked at the timetable, our exams was meant to be in June, July. I said, okay. If they are now locking us down, that means we have all this time to study and to finish mm-hmm. our dissertations and God knows what else. To the biggest surprise, the exam was brought back to April 19th. So we're oh, talking, God. this is end of March, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go home. And then, by the way, your exams in about three weeks' time. Any student of radiography would tell you that there is so much cost content in every single aspect. Okay. Of the course, including your dissertation and social work as and well. There's a lot of course content in social work too. Oh, tell him, Nicole. Tell him. <laughs> <laughs> tell him. <laughs> it is. It is. Honestly, the, the thing was, sometimes when you sit back now and think, the reason you have such a prolonged period of time to be on placement is to also give you the opportunity to revise what mm. you've done in preparation for your degree exams. And, practice and then as suddenly, well, isn't it? it's a bit of practice, a bit of practical, yes, putting the theory practice, into, into practice. Exactly, and all yeah. that. And then suddenly the exam is three weeks from when they said, okay, that's the end of it. Don't go in there. Just go prepare for your exams. Mm. And thankfully, I had a private accommodation in uni. Well, okay. I was renting a little studio flat. Yeah. So what I did was was that for peace and home. quiet as well? Was that was that to get you away from your family to give you that? Space? Absolutely, <laughs> that's number one for peace and quiet because um, everyone is at home. <laughs> Everybody's at home. So I packed my belongings. I know there was travel restrictions and God knows yeah. what else. I just said, look, you know, even if they stop me, I'm going to say, look, this is me. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is where I live, and that's my student. I'm a key worker. Look, look, look. You know. Yes. <laughs> So I went back there and the, the truth of the matter was for one whole week, 
I was sat in my flat and I did not even realize that a week had gone. Wow. Because I study from morning. I wake up in the morning very early, yeah. study, yeah. you know, and then have a cup of tea, have a little sleep, wake up, study again for a few more, mm. prepare my lunch, again. study again. What advice would you give students who are going through now what you guys have just gone through? Because obviously we've just had another lockdown and placements again, pool stock started, schools are shut down. I Nicole mentioned about, you know, homeschooling and everything else. What kind of advice would you give our students now? How, could, how can they navigate? Because you two have obviously successfully found a way to do that. I think the best thing to say is, because it's a very challenging and there's no, I don't think there's any set pattern as to, what I'm going to say to you, this is what you must do. Mm. But all I did at the time, because of how short the period was, was to read and to read and to read. Mm. And when I say this, I had to really use your time wisely. Yeah, not Netflix and, and chill, none of that. No, there is nothing. I mean, <laughs> you're looking at just three weeks of punishment, and that's the end of it. Once you've See, gone I'm through your punishment, answer to that question. Don't worry, I'm coming to you, Nicole. I want to hear your answer as well. Go on, go on, you finish up. <laughs> so study, study, study as hard as you can, as much as you can, as broadly as you get, and then the exams will be okay. Okay, you know, that, perfect. That's, yeah. Thank you very much, UK. Thank you for that. Nicole, what advice would you give to us, our graduates that are coming up? Um, speak to any social work student, any social worker, we will hear a lot of self-care. 100%. So when UHA is going, study, study, study. For us, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of theories. To I was going to say, that was like, a lot of to a social worker. Like. Remember, you know, I was <laughs> in CMHT, uh, you know, I had to remember different sections of the mental health act. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take time and breathe, you will be worn out. It's as yeah. simple as that. So for me, the current student is for them to talk be, directly to them. You know, this is for them. This is for them to hear. It's yeah. okay. Be kind. Communicate. When things are piling up, speak to somebody. That's Make right. use of your supervision. Mm-hmm. That is what is there for. Speak to your practice educator. That mm-hmm. is what they're there for. Do not bottle it in That's because right. it's going to go heavier and heavier. Your placement. I had five caseload people on my caseload. Yeah. Although they said I wasn't meant to, but most of the people had to isolate, they were shielding. So I took on a lot of responsibilities. Mm. And at the end of the day, they didn't even know who was a student and who was a qualified social worker. <laughs> we were all doing the same thing. Teamwork, and isn't it? Really important. I didn't choose to leave or, you know, go home, and, but I took it on. I battled it with the few that was left in the office and we went through it. So love yourself. And then what I found that helped me through that period was I would get up early and I would go for a half an hour, 45 minutes run wow. every single month. It became religious. Yeah. Um, because I thought once I stick my earphone on and put on my music, I just let go of everything else. Mm-hmm. So and my educator said to me, Nicole, once you leave this office, switch off your mobile phone, your office mobile phone. Do not attempt to pick up or make phone calls or start counseling somebody on the phone. That yeah. is not your job. Mm. You need to look after yourself. So when I go and run every morning, I self-care, forget about it. Self-care. Self-care is, is a self-care. key message there. 
Oh, definitely. Do what makes you happy for, for a moment or two. Sometimes even now I've built a habit. I just put on a makeup and then get into the car, drive, drive around, and then I come back. No destination. <laughs> No, but it's, it's important to, to make yourself look decent because you're right, for the first few weeks, we all kind of lounged around in our onesies, you know, just, just had pyjamas or, you know, just, just baggy clothes because, well, I don't know if I'm for myself, really, because I just couldn't cope with the fact that I'm not allowed to go out. Huh? It was a lot to deal with. So it's important that I, I like the way you said that. Use the professionals around you. I know you mentioned Ooh. use supervision. What I'd also add is use your personal tutor in the university as well. There's also a role, you know, for the personal tutor to take on board, you know, a lot of what you're going through. But I I like your message about don't keep it. Can I just correct? Because I think I think you misunderstood when I said study, study, study. My (laughs) advice, my advice was directed at radiography students because every course has its own peculiarities. Let's just Mm -hmm. put it that way. You've pointed out what you do as a social worker. Well, I have a background in law. Actually, I'm a practicing list and I've been doing it for 29 years. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. So what made you, it's another question quickly, not from this, but Go what on. made you change to radiography then? It's a very long story. Okay, but let's just right. say... For another let, day. Let, all right, leave no, for another I'm, day. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you in one quick word, yep. I want to set up diagnostic centers in Nigeria in my later years. Okay. Reason being, my family suffered a tragedy as a result of lack and inadequate diagnostic facilities in the hospitals that was in Nigeria. It was something that happened in 2012. I always had in the back of my mind to try and see what I could do. And then you realize very quickly that you cannot do anything unless you know something about the area. So that was why I got to go into this to get it done in order to understand what the implications of or what is involved in radiography. So that's why I'm well done, done again. It. Well done for that. Amazing. And that's I'm really amazing. happy that well I have done it. And mm-hmm. I am still practicing, you know, but the reason I said what I said was because the radiography has its own peculiar quirk. And whether you like it or not, as a student, it involves a lot of body parts and a lot of cramming and a lot of yeah, understanding of what goes in our body. And believe me, it's not easy to understand even all the bones in our body you can it's it's not very easy to name them but you have to name them because you must prepare for your vivas and these vivas can come with any type of question from any part of, of the course. body system yeah, and you course. must discuss it within a time frame you mm-hmm. don't have an option you don't do it you fail if so you that's where your so that's where your idea came from where we that, said um, study study cram cram and that, everything that, else it okay. has to be that way otherwise you're not going to make much of a headway yeah, i understand yeah. the fact of have some exercise, exercise yourself, do what you have to do and do all of that. But in the peculiar circumstances that we were putting at that particular point in time, when exams that were supposed to be in May, June suddenly was in second week of April, you had no option but to try and do your best and try and, you know, yeah. Yeah. And And I appreciate that. And I think that's good. Now you've got your degree what are your plans for the future so you, you touched on you know a yeah. bit about you wanted to set up in nigeria but yeah is there anything more you'd, you'd want to add to that yeah currently i work as a jared radiographer in western park hospital i've done for the last six months and um i am looking to go into ct mri as a specialist area oh, wow. um, and hopefully i'm hoping that some company will pick me up as a trainee mri radiographer in mm. future and um, yeah 
an area I want to go into. So. Well done. So when, when do you plan to go back to Nigeria then with all, all these qualifications that we have? <laughs> I'm just wondering, you know, <laughs> when, when, when are you going back? <laughs> it's, the, it's an ongoing development because one, you need the experience, you need to understand it first, then you yeah. need to acquire the equipment. And you never yeah. know, I may come back to Hertfordshire and say, please, can you support my charity? Can you raise X amount yeah. of money for me to enable me to buy some of those machines? It's a long-term project. It's an ongoing, uh, okay. No, no yeah. I appreciate that. I like the fact that your, your plans are definitely there. Yeah. And you've got them, you know, quite tangible. Excellent. Thank you, Uche. Nicole, what are your plans for the future? You know, what do you want to do? Tell me a bit about your career journey. What are you going to do next? At the moment, as, as a newly qualified social worker, our first priority is more to complete ASYE program, which is our first year in employment after graduation. Now, because of COVID, that is proven quite um, a bit difficult. And the reason is because most teams, if not all of them, they're all working from home. Mm. And as a newly qualified, you will not be left in the office to do your own thing at least for the few weeks or so that you start, then somebody needs to be there to guide you through it. So mm-hmm. that is the challenge we are having now. Any ASYE positions that you apply, the, the results that you get is, can you call back again? Now, the current lockdown is not helping matter either because yeah. we are looking to you know, get back to near normal you know, by the first week, second week of January. And then boom, bang, that we are back to our third mm-hmm. lockdown we are still not sure. What area of social work are you thinking about going into? Do you have a specific uh, area that you want to do? Families. Children and families. That's my yes. area. So I'm a bit biased. So well done. <laughs> Good. So that is it. I've even applied to because I did FGC. So I'm, a, I'm an FGC coordinator as well. Excellent. Which is mm-hmm. um, so I've tried to even do voluntary job within the children and family yeah. teams. Oh, we're not welcoming anybody. They're so skeptical in terms of mm. introducing new individuals into the team. So that's how mm. we, you know, give us a couple of weeks, let's see mm. how things go. So that is the challenge most of us are still facing at the moment. Yeah, so but keep looking, keep looking out, because I think what generally tends to happen is that um, ASYE placements and ASYE jobs come at specific periods. Now, yeah. because the usual intake and outgoing students has been quite different this year, it's put things out of sync. So that's probably what's happened. But you may need to yeah. go a bit further afield just to complete your ASYE, but then you can also always come back mm-hmm. afterwards. But I forgot you've got young children as well. Don't be disheartened. I think it, they, they will come out, but I think they will come out probably kind of, the, you know, the summer period yes. when, when placements generally do tend to finish as well. Do you know what? Thank you guys very much for sharing about your experiences and Thank the challenges you. that you face. And, you know, you've given us a lot of motivation and a lot of positive steps that you guys have taken and also some really good advice for our students about what they can do going forward. But a question I wanted to ask, and I think a question that's asked a lot, especially to Richard, who runs this podcast, is, you know, students often ask, you know, why should I be listening? You know, why should I listen to this podcast? Students got a lot of other things to do. You know, why should they take the time to listen to this podcast? I think at this particular time, everybody's busy. You have millions of one things to do. Why you should listen to this podcast? Just like you, I was in the same place near this time last year, but I needed anything I could get. I needed to hear anything. I was listening to different podcasts. I needed a message, somebody to tell me, keep going, don't give up, you can do it. And I strongly believe for you to listen to this, it will encourage you. It will be a source of encouragement for you to get up and say, you know what? If Nicole with four young kids, she did it. 
And not only did she did it, she come up with a first class with four young kids in the house. You got a first. I didn't realize that. Well done. Well done. Make use of every resources. You can do it. You will come back by this time next year to do another HSK student report. Excellent. Well done. I love that. Thank you. Uche. I wasn't going to say mine, but... You got first uh, two. I got first two, yes. Well done. <laughs> no, I, I think after I heard your background and that, I think he must have got a first. I, I, I knew. No, no, well, no, no, well done. Well done. And I think that's probably why you're well, here. The main message here is all about when you listen to people like us, those who have gone through it, you understand that there's something called resilience and we are more resilient than we can actually give ourselves and credit for. And the reason I say this is because I've seen people like when things are, are getting more and more difficult, people tend to say, oh, my God, can I not? Can I do this? Am I really up to it? But you really need to dig in deep into the deep recesses of your personality. And I'm sure there is something so strong within every one of us that will enable us succeed despite the obstacle. That will be my message for today. Excellent. Really, really, really appreciate that. Yeah, your final messages, they were really inspiring, really powerful. And I just want to thank both of you again. Thank you again for taking the time to come and talk to us. Thank you H- HSK Student Pod. So this is my first time, you know, on, on the pod. So I'm really excited too. But it's, it's been really nice and, you know, really, really um, inspiring just listening to you too, listening to you talk about your journey. Thank and, you. And well. also for your words that you've given to our students. But the main thing I just want to get across is the reason why we've, we've brought you in is, is to inspire the students and staff that are listening to be strong despite the ongoing challenges, you know. Yeah. Um, and a word that you, Che, used, which I think is important, is resilience. It's really, really important that we are resilient. So, again, thank you very much for joining us today on our HSK Student Pod. And I really wish you all the best. If you've got any final words, you can give me your final words now. But that's just me over <laughs> and out. And I really, really appreciate having you here today. My final one, um, any student, any staff listening, you know, going through different challenges, don't give up. You can do it. Thank don't you very up. much for having me. I think I concur with what Nicola just said. So, yes. Don't yep. Give. Lovely. Thank you very much. Nicole Anuchi, what a beautiful message you have given to the HSK pod listeners. It's a jolly, empowering, and beautiful message. Adding on to what Chantel has already complimented you with, indeed, you are both great ambassadors for the health and social care profession, including being great ambassadors for the school and the university. I'm very sure our listeners have enjoyed listening to your message like I have, especially our student listeners who are all facing a similar testing and challenging time. You have inspired our student listeners to embrace your keywords of resilience and self-care in whatever they are faced with during this challenging time. You have also shown us you are not deterred by the COVID-19 challenges. It was a tough journey, but you managed to do it and successfully graduated with excellent results. You should be proud of yourselves and the school is proud of you too. We wish you the best of luck in your next chapter of destiny 
especially good luck in your job search opportunities. Shantel, thank you for the excellent interview you have given to our listeners. You have indeed managed to get an inspiration and empowering message out of our two special guest students. I know you had some technical problems with the slow internet, which was affecting the quality of recording. You still did not give up. Your team has indeed given us a great message. Thank you, Chantel. We always appreciate the help from our interviewers. Either in our personal, social or professional lives, very often when we or our loved ones have health-related problems that need urgent attention, one of the things that comes to our mind is to ring the emergency service. For this month's profession spotlight, we have our guest Alexey Oric, one of our senior paramedic lecturers in the School of Health and Social Work at the University of Hertfordshire. Alex is going to share a brief message with us, giving a brief insight on how the paramedic profession has changed over the years to meet the huge demands on its services. She will also share a brief reflection how she has managed to succeed in her new teaching role at the University of Hertfordshire despite the ongoing COVID-19 lockdown challenges. I now hand you over to Artie, who had the opportunity of meeting and interviewing Alex. Alex, welcome to the HSK Student Pod. We are happy to have you as one of our guests today. Hi, Arthi. Thank you for having me on the HSK Student Pod. It's a pleasure to be here. Alex, before we go even further, how are you and how are you managing to cope with the ongoing COVID-19 lockdown that we are currently facing? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, I've been very lucky. Because of my clinical role, I haven't really had to lock down at all. So in the first lockdown in March, I was still going to work full time. That was before I joined UH. And even this time in the second one, I was both clinical and still teaching face to face at UH. So I've been really, really lucky that I've never really had to lock down. Um, but my other half, who's a chef, is climbing the walls. So <laughs> he really wants to get out and about. So I really feel for everyone who's had to lock down. So I bet you're having interesting conversations at home then, aren't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Alex, before we start, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? So just getting to know you earlier, you say that you have started at UH just in July, so you're nearly brand new. Yeah, I'm an advanced paramedic practitioner in critical care based in the London Ambulance Service. I do that for 60% of my time. And the other 60%, which obviously equals 120%, um, but the rest of my role is at the University of Hertfordshire. And I teach there 60% of the time too, or teach here. So I've got a nice balance between clinical and education. I originally started my paramedic career at UH as an undergrad back in 2007. And that was on the paramedic science programme. I then graduated in 2010, started working on my master's degree. And in the clinical role, I went from a paramedic to a clinical team leader. And then I did a secondment on London's air ambulance um, as well as become an advanced paramedic in critical care. So that's kind of my journey to where I am now. And it's all really critical care focused. So it's been a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an interesting trajectory over these last just over 10 years. Yes. Yeah, it's been busy. It's been a lot of hard work and quite busy, but I've loved it. It's been great. 
Thank you, Alex. Alex, some of our listeners probably think that being a paramedic means becoming an ambulance person or typically an ambulance driver. What can you say that would help quell that myth? Sure. Well, actually, 40, 50 years ago, that was the case. So my granddad was the chief ambulance officer of Sussex Ambulance Service back in the 70s and the 80s. And back then, you had a first aid qualification. And a lot of the skills, if you like, and the interventions of an ambulance person at that time was about driving someone safely to hospital. So driving on the bell, so they didn't have sirens. It was a bell that jingled at the front of the ambulance. And, um, and it was about packaging someone well and, and just getting them to hospital where they could be looked after. But my granddad was one of the first sort of people that realised that looking after these people in this way wasn't addressing all of the needs. And the window of opportunity for patients that are critically unwell is in that first sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes post-injury or illness. And if we don't do anything useful in that time, by the time they arrive at hospital, they're beyond help, really. So my granddaughter was one of the first people to be involved in professionalising the ambulance service. So that involved more training and they created something called the Miller's exam, which was a process to become an ambulance technician. And that involved giving some drugs and doing some more interventions. That then developed into infusion and intubation paramedic and INI paramedic. And that meant you could do some uh, cannulation and some airway management. And then in the late 90s, early 2000s, paramedic profession became a profession and paramedics became a registered protected title. And you had to register with the health professions council as it was then. And really since then, it's continued. So that's when we've seen the introduction of degree paramedics. Every paramedic now, from pretty much now into the next few years, needs a degree to become a paramedic. And so the profession has changed so quickly in such a short space of time. And we've gone from ambulance drivers, and that was a trade in the same way bricklaying or scaffolding or being a bin collector was, to now being a, a healthcare profession. It's been a massive change in a very short period of time compared to nursing, which has been professionalised, you know, in the hundreds of years. We're in just a few decades. But I think it's the type of person that enters this profession that can cope with that. So some of my colleagues joined when it, they were ambulance drivers and now have 30, 40 years service. But they've evolved and developed with it and will continue to evolve and develop too. Thank you for that, Alex. It was really interesting to hear about how the scope of practice has extensively developed over the years. I am just wondering, would the change in the scope of practice in paramedic science over the years, how has the public and patient expectations of the service that you provide changed? I think the public hold us in a higher regard potentially than they used to in that they know that they can call an ambulance and expect definitive health care as well as emergency care. And we've really gone from an emergency ambulance service where we're really only called in critical care emergencies to now being able to deliver urgent and emergency care all as part of the same service. 
So we receive 999 calls every day for, you know, major trauma, cardiac arrest, people that aren't breathing, as well as calls for things like a finger injury or an eye injury or a sore throat. So we see the full wide ranging spectrum of illness. And I think the challenge for us is to accept that that's how people are using the ambulance service and approach every patient in the same way. And I think, you know, probably when we all sign up to be paramedics, or certainly for me anyway, I was more interested in the critical care end of the spectrum. And, and actually being good at all of it is exactly what is required of us because people will call us and it's our job to respond to them. And it's not our job to decide whether they should have or shouldn't have called for help. And I think it's also generational because, you know, you can order a pizza on your phone and it will arrive 20 minutes later, you know, no questions asked. So if you're feeling unwell and you need someone to come and help you at three o'clock in the morning and you just don't know who else to turn to, then naturally people will call us for help because they know that we're open. We never close. They don't have to wait for an appointment. They'll just get a response. Even if that response isn't an ambulance on their front drive, it might just be a phone call, some advice. And so we have to adapt to the demands. And I think it's great that people call us for help because it just shows how much they respect our profession. Thank you, Alex. So Alex, moving on to your academic role then, considering how we are all being constrained within the pandemic period, could you share briefly with us how you have managed to still succeed in your teaching and clinical practice role despite the ongoing COVID-19 challenges? I think the clinical role was really challenging back in the spring and certainly in London anyway. We haven't seen a rise like we saw back in March and April. I was working at the Nightingale in the critical transfer service as well as on the advanced paramedic practice car and I was seeing patients both in cardiac arrest as a result of COVID and also in the Nightingale we were moving people between hospitals that were incredibly sick with COVID and I think it was such a strange time and for me the hardest bit of it was knowing that we had a disease that we just didn't know how to fix and we had no definitive treatment for and I suppose that people in our profession haven't felt that for hundreds of years really because now we understand diseases so well and have such clear ways of being able to treat them this was the first time in my career that I encountered a new disease that we just had no idea how deadly it was how easy it was to pass how we treated it and so my natural go-to was to look at the evidence that was emerging so we had some evidence from China but there was concern about the sort of validity of some of it We had some emergent evidence from Italy, but we were right in the thick of the pandemic before we had any clear answers to anything. So really, it was just about learning by doing, really. And um, there were things, you know, that happened in that first few months where we made decisions based on what we thought we knew that actually if we were to do it again now, knowing a lot more, we'd probably do differently. So I think when you just don't know how to do something, that is a really hard situation to find yourself in. Absolutely. And then in July, starting at the university, obviously I started a role where I had never had any teaching experience and then all of a sudden I could only teach remotely. So I not only had to learn teaching, but I had to learn all the technology. And thankfully, our students were really patient with us getting to grips with that. And so we just tried to do things differently. So we've made a few podcasts for our third years on their patient assessment module. 
I love a bit of simulation because I think that's as close to reality as we can get. So we've done a lot of simulation and practicals and we've done a bit of case-based learning as well, where I pose situations that I've been to and patients that I've really seen and ask the students to work out what's wrong and how they would intervene and what they would do. So try and make it as close back to the patient as I always can because that's how they're going to see things in practice. Thank you, Alex. That sounds like a nice balance of simulation and online teaching, especially pertinent for our current climate in terms of teaching and learning practices and with students studying remotely and us working remotely as well. Alex, is there anything else that you would like to share either for paramedic colleagues or paramedic students who are listening in or even prospective students who are wishing to actually enter the paramedic science profession? I suppose something that would apply to everyone is about being compassionate because we often see patients, even if it's relatively minor to us, it will probably be one of the only times in their life that they'll access healthcare or become unwell. So even something seemingly small in our eyes will be a big life event for someone else, for a patient. And patients don't remember what you say, they remember how you make them feel. And if you really look after someone as if they're a loved one of your own, then you'll be looking after patients to a high standard. And I try and accept that, you know, everyone's different and everyone comes from different backgrounds and has different life experiences, but everyone's a human being and everyone has parents, children, you know, someone that depends on them and loves them. And so I always make people feel cared for and always try my hardest to do that because that's exactly how I'd want my loved ones to feel and how I would want to feel if I was being looked after. So I would say really make sure you make an effort to really truly look after people rather than just doing the medicine. Think about the whole person and think about really looking after them to a high standard. Thank you, Alex. And that is a really powerful message, not just for the specific practice of paramedic science colleagues, students or students wishing to enter the profession, but actually anybody, yeah. the public at large, and more especially students wishing to enter healthcare professions as well. Yeah. When I look at complaints as part of my clinical role, we have to do quite often it's about how people have been made to feel rather than the medicine that they've received. When I debrief crews about it, sometimes they often say, but we did everything right. And so why are they complaining? And quite often when you unpick it, it's how they've made someone feel. And I can think of a patient who was having a big blood clot in their lung, a pulmonary embolism. And the crew had done all the clinical things correctly, but I don't think they'd worked out necessarily how unwell the patient was and maybe they didn't show the urgency that they would have done had they realized that and as a result the patient and family didn't feel that the crew had acted urgently enough or didn't necessarily believe how sick the patient was and I think if you approach everyone thinking that they need help and that you're there to provide it and that you're there to look after them then you really won't go wrong. Absolutely and compassion forms one of the six C's of the Mm. NHS values as well. Definitely, definitely. Alex, is there anything else you would like to share with us today before we finish off? I think as a final message, I'm going to say do things properly. And I know that sounds like the obvious. 
but don't cut corners. Thinking about paramedic skills in particular, but I'm sure this will apply to a lot of clinicians listening to this. Make sure you do every intervention really, really well. So for example, if you put a cannula in a patient who's really unwell, you need to keep that cannula in. So bandage it down, make sure that it's really nicely secured so that it won't come out. So save you time later on if it gets pulled out, you don't have to put another one in, but secure it really well. For example, same in cardiac arrest when we see patients in cardiac arrest. Do chest compressions really hard and do it really properly. Give that patient every chance of survival. Same with childbirth. Set up the equipment and prepare for it to go wrong. That way then when on the rare occasion it does, you're already thinking ahead and you're already prepared. So I suppose our message is do things really well to a high standard every time. And that way then it will save you a lot of bother later on. Another very powerful message from you there, Alex. Thank you very much. When you spoke of that, it reminded me of a saying by a life coach called T. Harv Eker. And what he says is how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm. Alex, thank you very much for joining us today on the HSK Student Pod. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for having me, Arthi. Take care. beautiful, very informative and educational message from Alex and Artie. Ladies, I'm very sure everyone who has listened or will listen to your message will enjoy it like I have. Alex, we are very fortunate to have had you as one of our guests on the HSK Student Pod. You have definitely educated and inspired us, especially your message is very important to all our HSK student listeners who are working towards gaining their health and social care profession. Artie, thank you for giving us such a beautiful interview. We always appreciate the time taken by our interviewers to come and interview our guests. Thank you, Artie. I wish to thank our guests, Nicole Oche. Chantel, Alex, Artie and Karen for the good messages they have shared with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on the HSK Student Pod. Also need to thank all other anonymous staff members who have made this episode to be a success. Thank you for all your support and creative ideas. We do appreciate. Please, if you have not yet done so, do not forget to sign up to the HSK Student Podcast so that you can receive new episodes automatically. This can be done by either downloading and installing the SoundCloud app, which is a free app which will give you easy access to the podcast episodes. Those who have iPhones can also get access to the podcast through the iTunes download list. Also need to encourage you to remind five friends of yours to listen to this podcast episode. By doing this, you are doing your part to help build the HSK staff student community. Please, do get in touch if you've got an idea or a message you'd want to share with our listeners. Nothing is too small to be shared. 
Just send an email to Richard on r.matovo2 at hearts.ac.uk. That is R for Richard, dot M for Mother, A for Apple, T for Thomas, O for Office, V for Victor, U for Umbrella, then you write a number 2, then followed by this is the usual at hearts.ac.uk. We are always delighted to hear from our listeners. Dear listeners, before we end our podcast, just in case you have not yet done so, please look out for the news and information related to the FICA Mental Fitness app. You need to install this app on your phone and make use of the wonderful well-being activities and resources it has on offer. As an HSK student, you have actually access to the premium version already paid for by the school. So, please, make use of this wonderful resource. You should also look out for the FICA 60 Seconds Thought for the Day videos. If you are interested in making your own Thought of the Day video, the FICA team are on the lookout for students who want to feature in their 60 Seconds Thought of the Day videos. For more details on how to access and install the FICA Mental Fitness app, visit the school site under the News section and also this information should be available on your program sites and on some module sites. You'll also be able to see on these sites the weekly FICA news that is sent out, including the FICA contact details, just in case you are interested in creating your own 60-second Thought for the Day videos, you can be able to get in touch with the FICA team. Dear HSK Pod listeners, especially our student listeners, as we end this podcast, I have a special message for you. We are all still living in a challenging time. Life has challenged all of us and changed in so many different ways. Where we now see the things we all took for granted become a distant memory. While our approach to life may be different now, we should continue to persevere. We should continue to move ahead, connecting with one another, using those new safe methods of communication, helping and supporting each other, caring for one another and learning from one another. In HSK and across the University of Hertfordshire, staff continue to strive in making your learning experience keep getting better and more ways to keep you safe so that you have a positive experience while at the university despite the ongoing challenges. I know there are still many assignments and exams that will be completed for this academic year, including placements which is another tough task. Some of you may even have exam races to do, plus having family responsibilities and commitments. Definitely, I know all these things bring lots of pressure and it's definitely a tough time for you but please do not give up just keep going and keep aiming to get successfully to your destiny despite the many challenges you may come across adding on to what Karen said at the beginning of this podcast 
you are encouraged to make the most of the resources and support you are being offered here in the school and in the wider university. If you need to speak to someone, please do not sit in silence. There are always people willing to listen to your needs. Whatever changes or challenges may come your way, just remain positive and keep going. We are all in this together and hope we shall see the light at the end of the tunnel ahead of us soon. Lastly, I just need to say, please look after yourselves and your loved ones. Stay positive and find some time for relaxing, doing those things that you enjoy doing in a safe environment. Bye-bye from Richard, your host, and join us in our next HSK Student Pod, which will have something fresh and new to listen to. Mm-hmm.